You're listening to the Terror of the Woods podcast, where every question is a great question. I am your host, Star Strazabosco. Get your critical thinking caps on, because we are seeking truth in a world where we are drowning in information, but starved for knowledge. Oh, like would love to splice up Fauci for sure. Oh yeah, um, but I feel like the, the at least Congress and the Senate they've kind of gone dark. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were very active, and I don't even know how I know when they're active. It's like a spidey sense where you're like, oh yeah, they've they've been saying a lot lately, right? But I feel like they haven't right mm. now. Yeah, I think the are, are we going? Yeah, we're going. Let's let's, let's go. go. I think the reflection that I had this morning is it seems like any time a bill is being in- introduced these days, I can just as well expect it to be passed somehow. Right. No matter how terrible of a thing that's written in there, it's like nobody's stopping it. It's just like it's almost like a, a harbinger of what's to come because it's like somehow it's going to get passed and i just right. don't know who, who you know i don't know who to call don't know who to call and we're <laughs> well on... and and it's not that we don't know who to call it's really we don't know if they'll listen because you can call whoever you want right. but for the most part if you want to call your state legislator you might be able to get them on the phone especially right now cuz they're going back into session at least in arizona but at the federal level you're going to get an intern or you're going to get some kind of staffer you're not going to talk to them. And what they're going to do, be, I know because I used to do it, is they're going to be like, okay, so are you a yes or a no? Okay, I'll mark you down. You know, but they're not, even at the end of the day, all of the work has been done behind the scenes, behind the closed doors. They already know that they're going to be voting for this thing. Unless there was some kind of deal breaker where an amendment got on, totally changed the language, they would still probably vote for it. As long as whoever was lobbying it, uh, told them, yeah, it's still good to go. So, yeah, you're right. It, our words really don't matter, and our uh, opposition or support thereof doesn't matter right now. And they're taking away our rights in, in the meantime. Yeah, I think the big thing here is that these people who are pursuing this, you know, far left agenda, communist agenda, their minds have been made up. The, de- the decisions are out of their hands. They're simply following the orders of some bigger plan. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any intentions or plans of, uh, of doing the right thing. Right. They're either thinking, uh, you know, I'm going to end this, uh, all this money I'm getting from this job mm-hmm. if I don't comply. Or I'm going to, um, you know, somebody else is going to come. Somebody's going to kill me. Someone's going to kill me. <laughs> or somebody else is going to come and take all the fame and all this, you know, notoriety. Yeah. And I may as well do it because, you know, right. I'm just a filler position. They don't realize they're selling out their own soul to make that decision. Yeah, but it's like they, they must know that people are upset right now, right? They know. But, you know, and if you look at people like Governor Whitmere, Gretchen Whitmere, mm-hmm. and uh, Newsom, and, and some of these people who are, you know, Lightfoot and the the people in Australia, you know, these, oh, these people, people don't Ugh, care. They have, maybe you heard that clip of a uh, Lightfoot, an un- undercover footage or 
clip where she's talking about if, if the cops or whoever doesn't obey the New World Order, then they're out of here. Right. And then it came out. She's like, I was talking about a different New World Order. Yeah, okay. like which one? <laughs> There's more? Like, yeah. Jesus, lady. Um, have you ever seen a picture of her, like, before she even came out as a lesbian? No. She, I mean, she no. She is a very attractive woman. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's like... It's like a demon got in her. I don't know what happened. Uh, Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice. I mean, that's another irony. Like, you are the... Be- like, she looks just like him. Um, and she's, you know, evil trying to take over everybody's souls with the New World Order. Yeah. It's fitting, right? <laughs> yeah, what's going on behind the scenes, like... Yeah. These people are either very scared or they're very self-assured of their security in the right. aftermath of what they're about to run us all into. Jeez. They know that after everything's burning, them and their family will be just fine. Yeah, they're going to get behind the gates and say bye to us while we all suffer as slaves. and Or killing each other, you know, right. and they're all in their bunker in Denver or wherever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Denver. That's a big one. And the... the um, the airport. Yeah. Right? So I lived in Denver. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I remember I went to the airport many times, and there's all the tunnels that you take to go to all of the different terminals. Never once thought that there were, like, um, the dumbs, right? The deep underground military bases. Mm. Yeah. I haven't heard that term for it. Oh. But I think it was with uh, Jesse Ventura's Conspiracy Theory yes. series. I remember he went up into there a little bit. Yeah. And you can see, I mean... It's a great big operation. Oh, no, it is. And it actually, um, standing back from it, you can see the terminal, and it looks like um, Superman's lair. What's the name of that lair? Batcave? Oh, wait, no, no that's Batman. <laughs> you would never Super find cave. Superman in, bat- in the Batcave, okay? <laughs> they hate each other. Well, actually, nowadays. Oh, no, well, yeah, that's true, They could right? be gay lovers after yes. all. Yes. Okay, so how many super people have, have we converted now? Uh. Well, I'm only aware of a, a couple of them off the top of my head. And really, Robin was the first one and now Superman, right? right? Yeah. So are any of them left? Like, as as a young girl, when I was watching the Superman movies or whatever it was, it was like, they're so attractive. But now it's like, well, I don't even stand a chance anymore. It yeah. seems like they lost a market of like little girl princesses or like, I'm going to marry Superman one day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, full disclosure, I myself am a, a married homosexual. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I am very aware of this far left, what I call homosexual agenda. I think yeah. it's fair to say. And uh, I don't think it belongs in the schools the way it's being propagated with crt i think it's creating all the confusion of all of this gender mess and everything we're really just creating a confusion soup right just to create division between us absolutely the i mean the war or the um slogan or whatever you want to call it divide and conquer Mm -hmm. it can't be more true than right now I mean, even when they are successful in dividing us, then they're even further successful in dividing those and dividing those. Like you just have faction soup, you know, yeah. nobody has a, a home. Not even the doctors have a home. I mean, they've left the AMA because, well, not all of them, but a lot of them because their um, their agenda is now to take uh, gender or your sex off of your birth certificate, hmm. which is like really the American Medical Association Okay, so you guys aren't going to, um, you don't want to identify your patient as a man or a woman knowing what kind of, uh, you know, 
what kind of meat you're working with, basically. Yeah. You know? That's uh, one thing is I was thinking about recently. It's just it really comes down to embracing. They're constantly embracing the minority. The mm-hmm. You know, and that's okay that some of us are, are weird or strange or unusual right. or one of a kind. But you don't, you know, say, okay, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But let's take, you know, the weird one over there and let's apply everything that applies to right. that. Yeah. Well, and it it seems like we could get to what they 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 say they want, which is individuality, right? You guys are all individuals, so you're the minorities now. You know, so play a role and get upset when you don't get your way. But if you think about how a conservative thinks, it's about the individual. Who is this I always like to ask people, who is the smallest minority in America? Probably uh more and more it's those who think for themselves. Well, that, that is true. But what I would say, yeah, the it's smallest. the individual. Because uh, yeah. you, Robert, are not like me, Star. I'm only, there's only one of me. Mm-hmm. You know, well, there's a few these days because I have all these aliases. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get the word out. But you're an individual. I'm an individual. So when you worry about individual rights, like it states in the con- a Constitution, um, everybody gets their way, right? Because everybody's looking out for the individual. Why are we making so many laws that impact this side or that side whenever you make a policy change some group loses there's always a group that loses why are we creating so much law on top of law it's like you have this hemorrhaging gussing or pussing you know nasty wound and we're like oh let's just put another legislative band-aid on it and just leave it alone you know it's not going to heal you need to clean the wound and it seems like we have so many layers of bureaucracy um that we, we need to just pull it all off and just clean like the statute of liberty, you know, and just like clean start her from up. scratch, yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, start all over again because I, I don't know how to get out of this mess without, I don't want to say revolution. It is. It is is that. Yeah. We don't want to do revelation. That's the one we don't want to do. (laughs) Revolution's okay. (laughs) And and before I hit on that, there's one observation. It's just it seems like the the quickest way for them to divide and conquer, you know, whether you want to say the the straight white male, you know, American mentality or whatever, is they just keep embracing uh, whoever is the opposite of that. Right. So to just to make sure they're putting that American, that stable anchor, you know, presence, personality, just they want to make sure it's always putting that man at odds, making yeah, him they, smaller they and smaller. Yeah, they want to find it. Um, they want to find your your opposite, but also the the person that you could call, you know, not your ally but your foe. They want to find your foe and label them. Well, it and if you think about being an individual, it takes care of that problem too, because. If you're thinking about the individual, how about some people are just dicks, mm-hmm. right? Individual people are racist. Individual people are asshats, you know, uh, pompous, have no morals or ethic code. That that person right there sucks at life, okay? Mm-hmm. But just because he is a male and we've decided on this male toxicity thing doesn't mean we have to put all the men into this category. Um, really interesting thing happened to me this last weekend. Um, and I hope he watches because (laughs) he was so upset. So I had a friend come in from Chicago and he's, he's a liberal Democrat. Um, but like one of my most favorite people to hang out with, I've known him for 20 years and he came down to, to hang out and we went out one night and he had a little too much to drink. So 
I had to carry him home because I'm chivalrous like that, you know. <laughs> and uh, we're outside waiting for this Uber. And three people came up, different people at different times. Most, uh, two of them were women. One of them was a man pulling me aside and saying, are you okay? I just want to make sure that you're okay. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, he's just drunk, you know, like I can handle this. Um, but thank you. I appreciate it. And then as they were coming up, you know, like the second one, I was like, okay, that's weird. I'm being asked again. Yeah, I'm fine. Is it really that bad? Like, he's just drunk, you know? he's. T- I wanted to stay at the bar, right? He wanted me to go with them because I, I understand. I want somebody to take me home too. Um, so he was just getting a little upset with me, but it was just, you know, it's like brotherly sister banter. Mm-hmm. So anyways, by the third person, I was like, oh, I know what's happening. And he was getting really upset. He's like, why do they think that I'm like wanting to take you down? I'm like, male toxicity. They think you're (laughs) male toxic. (laughs) These are your people. You know, I was like, this is what the liberal Democrat agenda has generated is people that think that every male is out there to rape you. You know, they're out there to put you down or take your job or whatever it is. And it's like, even though he's like clearly bigger than me, I'm a small woman. um, I could take him down. Trust me. (laughs) He knows it too. He feels more protected with me than I feel with him. So if you think about it, only a short two years, three years ago, had that whole same thing scenario played out on the side of the street waiting for an Uber, nobody would have came up. Right. Because the male toxicity thing was just starting to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a it's a virtue signal, you know, and although I understand and I appreciate these people for stopping because you never know. Right. Um, I wasn't screaming for help, but I sure could do that in front of a bar. You know, like I didn't need your help right then and there. But they were labeling him as such. And he was so upset about it. He's like, why do they think that I'm like going to rape you or something? I'm like, this is your party. This yeah. is what you've created. The political correctness is right. disallowing anything unconventional from happening without yeah. uh, getting labels. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, exactly. Well, and you've, you're putting him into a category of a criminal. Right. Just because he's a white male. And, you know, on the other hand, you know, it's kind of interesting is with like the the women's lib movement, you know, Mm -hmm. so you get the kind of this idea like and and that's a that's a left idea, too. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, it's like, okay, on one hand, you know, this this woman is, you know, in. You know, you could say she's in control. You could also say she's at sufferance from this man. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, you can say, oh, is that a Harvey Weinstein, you know, situation? Yeah. So, you know, and we're just taking all these weird examples of all these individual people who are doing these bad things. And we're just like labeling everybody. Yeah, exactly. We should just be like, you suck, Harvey. You suck over here. You suck over there. But I'm not lumping you guys together just because you have a common skin color, you know, or your common gender. Um, so the, oh, I was going to make another point on the feminism thing. So I am a woman. I was born a woman. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I has deep voice, right? Um, so here's the thing about the feminist movement. And, well, and I guess it's with a lot of movements. It's like the movements are great and they get uh, certain people a, a a better place in life, life choices versus life chances, right? But 
they keep going past the point of what their original goal was. So, well, I can thank the women before me that paved the way to take me out of the kitchen, right? And into the workplace where I can really be of value because I feel like I'm pretty smart. I do a pretty good job at what I used to do in my life. Um, But nowadays, I'm like, I kind of just want to go back to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Like, I have... I have children that I have to pay other people to not not with school. That's a totally different de- deal. But when they're younger, you know, the feeling that I got when I had to leave my children and take them to daycare was like the worst feeling. It was like being your heart being torn out. Like I felt like something was wrong. Like I need to be with them. Like this is my role, right? Um, having a father is great. And I think my my husband is a great father. But it's not the same. You know, when I stay at home with my kids, we're, we're going to have a full day of eating correctly, some good water, you know, water throughout the day. Not to say he wouldn't do that, but he doesn't think that way, nor should he. I'm the nurturer. He's the hunter-gatherer, right? Mm. He goes out and kills the meat, and I'll make it. And I'll make sure that it's good enough so that we get the nutritional value that we deserve, right? So now it's almost like they went too far because now... I feel as a woman, I have to go out there and set a point that I'm a woman and I'm going to get ahead and I don't make enough money. I've never drummed that or beat that drum ever. But that is that is what they're trying to force the female worker into thinking. You know, does yeah. that make sense? And was I've, I a little too much on that? No, not at all. I've heard other women say that same thing. It's like they want to be back in that role. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, I think it's just a matter of a common sense. Of course, you know, there's a, there might be a time for liberation. And I think, you know, as we move forward, women are going to play more and more important roles in history than maybe they were able to p- play in the past. Right. But at the same time, there's that structure of the family and the role that everybody plays right. that feels right because it is right, yeah. you know? And... Um, uh, yeah, ever since the women's lib and, and, and the women working, you know, so much of it has been driven by economics and people who ha- had a vested interest in seeing women enter the workforce and the kids being taken away. And yes. now we can indoctrinate them. And, you know, and then the whole structure goes away. You know, yeah, the demise of the nuclear family has had so many consequences. Um, oh, what there, oh, I have a good Bible reference. So I had I accompanied my mother to like a weekend women's Bible study. I think we made it about eight hours into the first day. And then I was like, I can't do this again. Um, But the lady that um, started it, she, she started with a very good point. And the point was in the Bible, it says that you are supposed to, as the woman support the man, right? You need to help the man, but who needs to help out the woman? No one we're tough bitches we don't need any help i was like that's such a cool way to think about it because before i was a, a christian before i was born again which was very recent i feel like we're in a great awakening right um i was always like yeah the bible's just not for me because although i'm not a crazy femme you know feminist i still think that you know i don't help help out any men if anything they need my help like I'm not giving it to them. I'm only giving it to them because clearly they're weak and I need help. You know, at least in my mind, that's what I would say. But you see where I'm going with that. It was that um, it was that narrative that was peddled by people that were telling me what the Bible said when I should have just opened it and read it. Right. Mm, yeah. And after what that woman had said, it just brought me even closer to the Bible. I'm like, actually, 
the Bible and Christianity, they uphold, they hold women up. Like behind every great man is an even greater woman, Mm -hmm. right? But who's behind the woman? No one, because we're gangsters, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the scriptures just say that the man is, is head of the woman and Christ is head of the man. And something I was listening to recently, I think it was Rudolf Steiner or something, and it was discussing the point that uh, every interaction that we have with other people is essentially, in terms of the judgment, is how we treated Christ, is how we would treat Christ, you know? And so in in the capacity of, of your husband or whatever, you know, it's just as important that, you know, you're playing a role that serves him as it is that he takes care of you loves mm-hmm. you and holds you up as an equal and respects you as an equal. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's not and and one of the, I think it was the Gospel of Thomas, it's one of the Gnostic gospels. Uh the apostles were saying, "Hey, you know, Mary Magdalene here, uh you know, Jesus isn't going to spend time with you, you know, you're a woman and this and that." And Jesus comes out and says, "I personally will walk her into the kingdom of heaven." Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there is no exclusion of Right. Where did that idea come from? You know? Yeah, I know. And it's it, that was one of the reasons why I um, got baptized. Like I, or I was sitting in church one day and I just started crying. And I only had started going like a year before that. So I've only, I've only been in this, in this. Like it's just like a this. It's like a big deal, right? Um, just started crying out of nowhere in church. I had only been going for maybe like nine months at that point, And I didn't know why. And I had this feeling to just go up and talk to the pastor, which I had never done. I was just there for the history, you know, like I was there for the story time. And it, I started thinking about how, wow, I've been living my whole life without acknowledging, like, even if you don't think Jesus was real and that he died on the cross for you, like not even giving it a minute's thought to be like, well, what if he did do that? That's a pretty serious thing, yeah. you know, like doing that for someone it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, it's probably more than I could ever do for my children, you know, and, and I want to do everything for them. So having the thought that I had never considered it just like brought me to tears and it brought me closer to Jesus. And since then I've, I was baptized or not the baptism makes you born again, but I've had that awakening. Right. And now I think that we're in a moment where a lot of people can be brought into this um, this great awakening because it's. I don't know why people are so scared to open up the most popular bar- book in world's history, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people go vetting different religions, non-religions, whatever it is, and they refuse to open up the Bible. You know, it's like they're scared of it. It's like what what is that? And I think it's just a narrative that you hear about in maybe public schools. You know, separation of church and state. Yeah, and I think the big thing around this is uh, we have uh, made the Bible taboo, religion, yes, religious people, yes. and you the know stigma, the stigma, and we can see what it's been going to. It's been right. going to what's happening right now, because right now it's you know like we were talking about. They might compare somebody who's against you know. COVID to a flat earther, and we might not consider anything about these flat earthers to begin with, but really what we're trying to do is take away any credibility, any dignity. Cognitive dissidence. Yeah. So, you know, flat earth aside, it's just the Bible, like having Christian values, pop culture, Hollywood, the U.S. culture has toxified the whole world over. Yeah. I mean, I've been to... uh, I've been to... uh, uh, 45 countries. I've been to a lot of wow. 
Yeah, and it's been eye-opening. 45 is a lot. How old are you? Uh, 37 here in a little bit. 36 right now. So you're you're like my age, and you've been I've been to two Mexico and and America. But you've also been busy making some world-changing well, yeah, things where I you're know. at. So you've been busy. Man, that's, that's great. That's, I, I need to at least get to one more. But anyways, go on. So I think, you know, when I go, for instance, to Peru, and I'm in a, literally a hole in the wall. Like, it seems like it was carved out. It's a little nightclub. And there's yeah. a few people in there in a town that's blacked out because they don't have streetlights because it's so poor and tiny. And, this. and yet they're playing, you know, Pitbull, and they're playing all the American artists. Or I can go anywhere in the world, and I see the influence of these artists who i know is an american are really you know who i grew up with you know the same right. generation and i know how they how they got these ideas and like the music's dumb the lyrics is dumb it's all very toxic yeah and yet it's spreading all over the world and it's tainting perfectly good cultures that still respect their parents and still right. respect god and now they've got you know the whole it reminds me of that scripture where the whole world drinks of the cup of the fornication of of right. Babylon, the harlot, mother of all whores, you know, like the United States is like, you know, number one, like producer of, you know, pornography of Ugh, right. all, all manner of, you know, corruption. And yet, uh, and because we are in every nook and cranny, we're just like ruining every good culture. Yeah. There, um, there was a really good book and I, I might have it around here somewhere, but it just recently came out. Um, it was written by a former CEO of a, biotech company or bit like a big pharma i think it's big pharma i don't know if i'd call it that but it's called woke inc oh yeah so it's right there yes yes so he he uh presents in one of the chapters i forget what country he's from but they had the caste system and this was i mean he's our age so in india yeah it, it, it must have been india yeah and that's been destroyed right but he goes he goes back there now and he's like yeah, it's great that they have you know, newest technology and you know uh, the the not the latest things, but it's uh, definitely a step up. But what they have cost them is their um, their culture, right? Their culture and their family values and all of that stuff. So you know, with music and movies and Hollywood and all of that, it it spreads like wildfire, and they make it look so cool. Meanwhile, mild Jesus is in the Bible like, hey, <laughs> remember me? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to have a great time when all of this is done, but you have to, you know, you have to come to me, you know? Um, and it's a hard thing to do. I mean, I struggle with it every day. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, one of the big lessons that I've learned about, like, what was the meaning of the crucifixion or the so-called mystery of Golgotha? And... In some of the contradictions that I had in my head, because, you know, the scriptures say, be not deceived, for God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that too shall he reap. So, I mean, it speaks to us of karma right there. And on the other hand, we know that our sins have been atoned for. So what is this atonement actually good for right. if not to get us out from and being in trouble? And who do I cash it in to? Yeah, yeah right. So uh, so spiritual science would teach us that uh, the atonement is to end or uh, keep from perpetuating into the future our sins. So while you have sinned, it doesn't become something permanent that can that right. continues it's like on a frequency when you hit it it goes on forever right this, like, so we put a stop it. to it but yeah. you need to learn from this mistake you're going to feel the effects of what you done did right you're going to become a better Ugh, person for it it happens but it has to yeah yeah and you know and that's the thing you know so you deal with your karma but at least you don't end up 
in hell after yeah, your karma. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine? What a horrible place forever. Eternity. You yeah. know, like, who knows what the... We actually might be living in hell right now. Who knows? Um, well, let's let's switch gears a little bit, but I love the fact that you know so much about the Bible because I'm, I, I'm in a study and I read it all the time, but hearing different... You know, there's so many books in there and each one serves a purpose. And it's like every day I find a new book in there, even though I might have flipped pa- past the pages. I'm like, well, I didn't know Joel was it. Who's Joel? You know, who's <laughs> <laughs> who the, who's uh, Titus? Like, I've never even heard this book. You hear the book of John or Romans or Corinthians. Um, so I I wanted to go into because you brought up the flat earth thing and uh, talk a little bit about how you believe that the earth is flat and, you know, and, and how maybe the Bible might say so. And then I wanted to play a clip and get your reaction from it because recently we've had the Secretary of Health and Human Services um, announce, or make a statement that brought together flat earth and people who believe that this COVID thing might be a pandemic. So... Yeah, then we get a two-for-one deal on that. Right. So to be specific, um, I would more specifically identify myself as what I would term an oblate spheroidalist. And while the net effect is still a flat Earth, uh, it says a little bit more about the outer edges of the Earth. And the reason why I think it's this particular perspective jives a lot better uh, maybe with some people. Uh, For instance... If I wanted to reference uh, Rudolf Steiner, who was a uh, the most prolific esotericist of uh, the 20th century. I think Dr. Jill has actually talked about him. Oh, really? So you guys might find some common ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he himself clairvoyantly viewed the Earth as what he termed essentially as an oblate spheroid or having this convex sort of lens-like appearance. Now, I... When it comes, okay, I've seen that before, yeah. So what an oblate spheroid is, and I'll just pull it up here, is you could think of a drop of mercury. And what you'll see is it's like a sphere, which under its own weight has kind of flattened out on top and become a little bit more bulbous on the sides. Now, the thing is, is it's not just him with that perspective. Actually, Neil deGrasse Tyson came out and actually described oh. the Earth as an oblate spheroid. And I found that to be a very interesting overlap yeah. between the critics of today who yeah. would still use that term. And the like Hollywood side of science, Neil Neil deGrasse, right? Yeah. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. And then, and then you've got here this ancient esotericist. Now, in between all that, you have all this so-called evidence from NASA. Now, I went to school for computer animation. Okay. And one thing I think I can usually identify is a computer-generated graphic right if it's done really well then you know we all get tricked you know but often there's just something not right there's something off about the lighting there's some you know artifact that proves that it's fake but when you look at all the pictures that nasa has provided as evidence of the earth's shape Mm -hmm. they're all uh fabrications and maybe you've seen that one guy forget his name is robbie something and he was a CGI uh, computer graphics guy who did the blue marble, which is uh, one of the more modern uh, famous interpretations of the earth. Okay. I think it was one that was used in the background of the iPhone originally or something like that. Oh, so, okay. so, and he explains that the earth in these pictures of this globe is actually a, a 
can co- it's a synthesis of a bunch of strips of pictures that they stitch together oh, right. to create this thing. And he says, we can't take it. We can't take this picture, you know, from far away. You know, like we could take a picture of the moon. We don't, all of our pictures of the earth are all computer animations. They're all uh, computer and graphics. And that's, that, that's what I have, I've heard over and over again on, you know, a, any platform or any podcaster who's even talking about it. That's, that's, but also NASA doesn't deny it, right? Yeah. And so I think the interesting thing is if you look at, for instance, Universal Studio or Universal Studios and their opening mm-hmm. uh, that they had way before we even went to uh, the moon, they were already tr- pushing this depiction of the earth as a sphere floating around, you know, and, you know, there was the, the sciences and the astrology, uh, astronomy and things that that was uh, allegedly based off of, though, you know, it is contradicted by the Bible mm-hmm. um, because you know, the Bible has uh, over 100 verses which describe the earth as flat and immovable right. and a yeah. plane and this and that. Well, and the corners of the earth. Like, how do you get to a corner if it's round? Yeah. So, you know, the thing maybe is framed in by some sort of, you know, square rectangle type of, you know, limitations or something. Right. Um, but yeah, a sphere doesn't have any corners. You right. know, yeah. So you kind of got to pick your side. Like, okay, is your God NASA, which is, comes from the Hebrew meaning to deceive, right? And we know that it comes out of the people who were involved in Project Paperclip, who came from Nazi right. Germany yes. and the eugenicists and all of this. Yes, and their connection to Bill Gates and all of this that's happening in more modern times and the whole IBM thing. There's just so many layers to it, and so the question everybody always asks is, what is the motivation? Like, why would somebody do that? And I think that the most... Well, it's what we were just talking about. Giving the stigma. Get Don't look at the Bible. Well, even more than that, I think there is a specific reason. I used to actually have a, a website on the Bible UFO connection called whirlingwheels.com Ooh. way back in the day when I was a Seventh-day Adventist. And, uh, wow. And I actually had a one of the pastors, uh, was a, a doctor, he wrote a book. About, called Signs of the Saucers, and he was kind of involved. And uh, and between my own study and what I was, you know, gathering from him, and now what I've really come certain into a certainty of believing is that, uh, and maybe you've heard in some of these other videos of you know insiders, the last card, the last major deception, uh, whether you want to think in terms of what you might know about Project Blue Book or whatever, is a or Blue Beam. Blue beam, sorry, okay. yeah, uh, is that we're going to have a, you know, ultimately a fake alien invasion. Right. And while it will Using be- Using CGI. Now, yeah, with that, they could be, yeah, putting holograms of God and Krishna or Christ right. and to get everybody Which gathered. Which they've, I mean, you can look on the internet, you can find uh, an example of it, because in Japan, like, even at a, we're, or at a baseball game, they, you have a dragon, like, floating around, you mm. know, and they've they've had shows in the sky, like- this is all technology we are aware of. Yeah. 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 And the, like I've seen a depiction of Christ on the cross and like a illuminated cloud over a city right. and this. But more than that is the between the materialist and the spiritual points of view is I think the crux. You know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against dark powers and principalities and high places, the scriptures say. So we're actually not 
about to encounter beings from another planet, materially speaking. We're about to encounter interdimensional uh. demons. And why? And it took me a long time to process why it really mattered whether or not we thought they were from another planet or they were angels or demons or not. But the whole narrative is really going to come down to where did they come from? Who do they say they are? Who do they say we uh. are? What did they say that they've come to learn and know about the universe? I mean... The whole world will become deceived when what the dragon has the power to pull fire from the skies. Right. Or there's a, you know, so I'm thinking, okay, they show up and they start producing magic like that. Everybody's going to bow the knee or the whole uh, men's hearts will fail them for what's coming upon the earth. You know, I've had my encounters with UFOs. I have some crazy dreams. I actually, I have a story too. But yeah, go, go, go on. I'm fascinated by this because... It's not just that other people might think that the earth is flat. It's not necessarily about the argument between flat earth and a round earth for me. My point in helping uh, this, this, your story and what you believe get out is that we have denied people stories for so long and the Mark- Mockingbird media and all of these, um, all of, all of they... We just we talked about they earlier. Who is they? Well, they are the people that decide what we get to see. They are the ones that decide what Hollywood movie comes out next. They're the ones that are actually guiding the narrative, right? And missing this, missing that if it does not fit their agenda and what that is going to be, which we can agree is the new world order. They're saying it all over the place. It's so fascinating when these things happen where, you know, you talk about the new world order last year and people are like, you're nuts. And this year, like, have you seen all of these world leaders talking about the new world order? But getting back to my point, um, giving people a place to uh, not be shut down just because they have a thought, you know, that's why we're in the madness that we're in now because you're like, Oh, you believe in, um, or I'm trying to think of something really innocuous, you know, like, (sighs) Give me an example. You believe the sky is a fluorescent brown. That's pretty complex, but... Oh, okay. I actually was looking for examples earlier, so I created that. So maybe that was yeah. the way. So you're talking about just like Something little known... stupid, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It, it, so I don't know why this just came to my mind, but when I was growing up and you get a nosebleed, you put like cardboard between your, your gums. It's like an old wives tale, but it actually works. Mm -hmm. And so it's something like stupid like that, right? Where they're like, no, that doesn't work. And that's not science. It's like, well, why wouldn't you at least try it? You Mm -hmm. know, even if it works, then we can find out why, you know? So it's, it's like that. People don't even want to have the discussion because they have been fed a narrative through the news, right? And I there's a lot of people that have fallen victim to the news. I've since taken myself out of it because I think we are the news now, as long as you do the right research, but you have to let everybody talk, right? And you have to be able to have a debate and you have to be intellectually honest about it. You can't just get so upset because somebody has a different thought, you know, like look at where we're at right now. People hate each other right now because they think that a vaccine works and it doesn't. And if you look, the truth is we don't know yet because they've never tested it on humans, you know, but people won't even get to that discussion with you because they have been listening to Dr. Fauci, mm-hmm. right? And now we know that he kills dogs. So that's that's kind of my point. Thank you for listening to this three-part series with Robert Wallace. 
Come and join us for some more Flat Earth knowledge. And remember, every question is a great question.